Hey, podcasters. Before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And I encourage you to speak up on your podcast as well. Take care and spread the word. Hello and welcome to another podcast pontifications. Uh, I am Evo Terra. I launch podcasts. Today I'm going to take on, well, the topic of finishing a podcast. When is a podcast episode finished? Uh, not when you think it might be. And I'm talking about this because of an experience I had recently with a mainstream now news store, a news uh, outlet that produces a daily podcast, four minutes long, that can't for the life of them maintain a consistent experience. Don't worry, I will name and shame, but I'll wait to the end for my naming and my shaming. But yes, what happens with this show is uh, it, it's typically uh, the volume levels are all over the place. They're not doing a good job of luffs. Their ending music sometimes is overpowering over the voice, sometimes non-existent, sometimes happens moments after the file has ended. It's just a terrible experience. And I want to save you from having that terrible experience. And the way I thought about doing that for today's program is actually sharing with you the checklist, if you will, that I go through when I finish an episode. So this isn't about how to edit or how to mix or how to master. This is about all the steps that you need to follow when you think the show is done, when you think that episode is complete. The things you might want to think about that I certainly think about, and I make sure to get it right each and every time. And I would encourage you to do the same. Here's what I do. Now, by the way, if you want a list of the tools that I utilize, then feel free. Send me an email. I will, I will be happy to share the tools with you that, that I utilize. Keep in mind that your the tools you use will determine what your checklist is. This checklist is not a universal checklist. Something like this should be done for every podcast, but my checklist is not a universal checklist. So once I have the podcast edited, produced, mixed, mastered, when I am convinced everything is good, my steps are as follows. So the first thing I do, my tool shows me multiple tracks, and it's not uncommon for me to have at least four tracks, sometimes a whole lot more than that. I will then zoom all the way out of the project so I can look visually and I inspect. Is everything where it's supposed to be? I take a quick listen. Intro, outro, yep, everything works perfectly fine. The next thing that I do is I go to every edit point where I'm changing tracks. So the, the intro, if it's a cold open, when that goes to the music. And when the music fades out and the narrator's voice comes in. And when the narrator stops talking and there's a transition music. And then when the interview, if there's an interview, when it starts, how that happened. And at the end, and, I, and so on and so on. So every time a track changes, every time the, the focus of the conversation changes from one track to another, I actually go back and listen to that edit that I made just minutes ago. I listen to everything again. Okay? Once I verify that everything is done and fine, I export the file. Now, the tool that I use, Hindenburg Journalist Pro, when I export, I have some options, but they're pre-saved. But I check them every single time. 
Right kilobits per second? Yes. Right kilohertz? Yes. Right LUFs? Seriously, right LUFs. If you don't know what LUFs are, I'll talk about that in one of the conversations. You need to know what LUFs are. More importantly, your whoever's producing your show needs to know what LUFs are, and the number's minus 14. I make sure all that's happened, then I export. And I wait, because it takes about two to three minutes for my file to export. Here's a trick. Once it's exported, I'm not done. I then close the big project file with the multiple tracks in there. And I then open up in that same editing tool, because it's an amazing editing tool, I open up the exported MP3 that it just created. And I do the following things. First thing I do is I make sure it's the right length. Now I just, I know how long the multiple edited track is. Does it match? Because sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I've done something odd and I had an extra file hanging out somewhere far off in the distance and my system will automatically add that one in. So my file is twice as long as it should be. Oops, there's a problem. Once I've made sure that it's the proper length, I will go through and I listen. Ideally to the whole thing, but for I'll, I'll be honest, I don't listen to the whole thing again. I've listened to it several times. But I will listen to the front to make sure that, that uh, the first 20 seconds or so worked the way I wanted it to. I will then visually scan the entire file, making sure there are no drops. Oh, that happens quite a lot where when I was editing the file, I've muted a track, or more likely solo, which means only play this one track, to, to find out that the work, something worked really the way I wanted it to, and I forget to turn off solo. <clears throat> and my tool respects what I told it to do, and I just have that track. Oops, that's a problem. Make sure that didn't happen, make sure there's no drops in the middle. Then I go to the end, make sure that it ends the way that I wanted it to with the amount of silence at the end. That's what I do with the MP3 file every single time for every single show that I produce, over a dozen that I'm producing. I do that, <clears throat> make sure that it looks good. Okay, once that's done, I have my own separate ID3 tagging program that I utilize, and not only do I tag things properly, but guess what? I then reopen the file in my ID3 tagging program to make sure that it's fine. Again, if you don't know what ID3 tags are, hope that your producer does, because they're very important. You gotta have to make sure to do it. Even if your system automatically creates them for you, like mine will, I still like to use a separate system because I like to check. I like to check and make sure things are, are done properly. And then once the file is finished and I'm uploading them up to my uh, media host, Libsyn, I've got a very standard process by which that I use to make sure that I don't do things the wrong way. I can't tell you the number of times I have almost uploaded the wrong file. And I've got a lot of clients I work with, so I've got to keep it maintained. So I've got a process by which I ensure that doesn't happen, number one. Number two, um, because I work with a very easy to follow form for all the microcopy necessary, which I've harped on this program many a times, I copy and paste that in. But then before I publish, I go back and do a second pass. Does it match? Did I do things the way I'm supposed to do it? I do take the time to double check the process. So then when I publish, I do the whole series of things I go through to make sure that things are scheduled properly. You know, I've heard some people actually just finish an episode and then publish it live right away. That's dumb. That's just flat out dumb. You're, you are begging for problems there. I never, right, rarely publish or schedule, no, no, publish a file immediately after I post it onto my media host, Libsyn. I always, almost always schedule. It gives me a time to sit back and relax and reflect and go back and check again if I want to, or better yet, have somebody else go through and check if I want to. Schedule the post. 
And then I alert my clients so they can go check. So they were not as completely totally up to them. Right? So I schedule everything properly. And once I've done that, I'm pretty confident that when the show does actually go live, which, by the way, I am subscribed to every single one of my clients' shows. And yes, I listen to every single episode, at least the beginning, to make sure things work the way that I wanted it to. I want to be the first one to find them. I also check the details of that microcopy. I actually expand it inside of my app to make sure that it worked properly. I don't want a surprise. I never want to be surprised by, by what happens. And I also never want to give a poor experience to my clients. Now, as I mentioned, I said I was going to name and shame the, the inspiration for this um, little mini episode here. Here it comes. It's BuzzFeed. Now, before you freak out and say, well, yeah, it's BuzzFeed, understand that BuzzFeed's been doing some modifications over the last half decade or so, right? They put out a very good short four-minute news program every Monday through Friday, which I listen to. It's great when they get it right. But oftentimes, like I said, the luffs are very different. While I mean, this morning I could barely hear. And I listened with my hearing aids in with the earbuds in. And I could still barely hear what they were doing. The ending file, totally different volume level. Again, it's just atrocious. And that's because they're not taking the time. And on a four-minute file, you can at least listen to the whole damn thing before it goes live again. Can't you, BuzzFeed? Can't you? But you don't. So maybe you need to help. If you need to help, call me. I launch podcasts and I make sure that none of these things actually go wrong Ugh. for business podcasters. If you need help, launching podcasts is what I do and making sure they run smoothly and efficiently and perfectly every single time, part of the process that I put through. Thanks again for watching, gang. Uh, more of this coming tomorrow. If you want to know more about me, podcastlaunch.pro, evo at podcastlaunch.pro reaches me. Thanks for watching. Be back in the studio tomorrow. See you then. Cheers. While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who can become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, 
Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, plancpills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.